So last week we wrapped up a several week study on creation. Um, this week, at least the probably the initial verses, and I'm I'm going to go ahead and tell you we're not going to get this wrapped up in a week. Um, there, we're, so today, kind of, if you were following along in the systematic theology book, um, the title heading um, for the chapter that we would be going through today is God's providence. Um, does anybody know what God's what what that term tends to be used for? Like, what do we mean when we speak about the providence of God? Uh, does anybody know? So, um, I, I want to. This word is a fully loaded word, right? And depending on the 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 setting in which you're discussing it, or the particular ideas that you might bring up while you're discussing this idea. Um, there's a lot that kind of um, a lot of misunderstanding. Does anybody want any coffee, um, real quick? We got some. So as we kind of approach this, and as we consider this um, this idea, I, I don't want us to rush through it. So I've kind of broken it up into two into two major pieces. The first piece that we're going to be looking at today. Um, is kind of God's preserving work over creation itself. And then next week, we're going to start stepping into specifically His interacting with, um, with the, the creatures within His creation, right? Um, and how does God work, not only in the things that He's made that we would consider to be like inanimate objects, but how does He work even within... Uh, his created beings, and and when we get into here, we're going to get into a couple of different areas that I don't want us to avoid. Like, to what extent um, is God responsible for things that we would consider evil? What does Scripture or how does Scripture guide us in this? Guide us in our understandings of these things, um, and and in everything. Like the one verse that I want us to be kind of even though we're not going to get there today, that I want us to be looking towards is kind of that Romans 8.28 kind of thing, that God is working all things together, right? Um, and I want us to ask those questions, like what does that mean? Like what, how, can, how can Scripture guide us in this? Are there any examples? And are those examples, so like when I ask that question, right, are there any examples of God sovereignly working over someone's life? Um, through good and bad, ultimately for a greater good. Like, of course we can say yes. Like we're probably going to be getting into this pretty soon as Dustin's preaching through the book of Genesis. So one example that we're going to look at probably next week is going to be Joseph's life, right? Like we're going to kind of press into that and we're going to look at what does Joseph say even about all those things that took place. But the question that I want us to ask when we get there is can we take those examples that we see in Scripture and is that true universally, right? Like is that a truth that's specific for particular individuals or is that a truth that kind of explodes out to all of God's creatures, right? I want us to explore that. I want us to consider that. Um, I want us to dig into it. And I want us to ask questions about whichever side we might fall on um, in this. I want us to ask hard questions to ourselves, um, no matter no matter the side, right? Um, so today we're going to be looking at uh, probably four different four different 
passages uh, throughout um, Old and New Testament. Uh, we'll probably start in the New, and we'll probably end in the Old, and then next week it'll be uh, it'll be very much very much similar. We're going to find you know passages of text kind of throughout Scripture itself. Um, so as we get in, as we get into this, um, I want us to, like I say, ask the hard questions. I want us to think about these things deeply. I don't want us just to take what we have always thought and and not press in on those things, right? Like this is going to be one of those areas um, where I'm not uh, like. As we look at as we look at this, especially like in in the in the weeks to come, where we see that 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 the church has. From the from the very beginning of the church, there have been believers who have held various views, two probably major views that would tend to fall out of this, and there have been believers throughout history that have held to to either of those. So so because of that, right? Like as we as we think like what I believe, can I find weight throughout church history for other believers that hold to this both sides of this? Debate, you would find believers um, holding to those things. So no matter whether or not you would agree with one thing or agree with another thing, um, you'd probably fall into one of the two major camps. Um, so and and because of that, I want us to treat this. I want us to treat this topic. If it's been the case that throughout church history um, there's been there's been true believers who have held to to either view, then I want us to treat it. Um, and not, not, and I want us to give due respect to both major, major views that we would have here. And again, both sides. The reason that, the reason that there are two sides throughout history is because both sides present questions that are difficult to answer and wrestle with, right? So just because you pick one side, you say, well, I think this one's the easier one for me to, to, to grasp or wrestle with, that does not exclude you from very difficult questions that you might have to, to wrestle with and, and, and kind of press into. But what I want for us from this is that we, that we are honest with ourselves in that, right? Like I want intellectual honesty kind of as we press into these things. Um, so as we start this, like I, like I said, today is probably going to be the the lesser of the controversial um, ideas are going to come out today. There's going to be some kind of universal things that I don't think either side uh, are going to differ differ with too greatly. So um, to kind of get this started, let's look at Hebrews chapter one. So if you'll flip with me. To uh, the book of Hebrews. So, for those who who might have come in kind of after the conversation got started, we're going to be talking today about God's providence. If you don't know what that word means, um, so consider like where we came from, coming from the idea of God's creation, God's work of creation. Providence could be like you could you could consider it or or you could conceive it of it in, in your mind as his continuing work or his continuing interaction with his creation. How does he um, work with his creation? So today's going to sound very much. Um, it's going to very much kind of piggyback off of that uh, that um, those studies about creation itself because this is going to be his preservation of that creation is going to be a lot of the text that we look at today that we're going to see. So as we press into this, we're going to be Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to look at 
verses 1 through 3 specifically, we're going to be looking at um, kind of the, the middle portion of verse 3 where it talks about him upholding the universe by the word of his power. So I want us, as we kind of think about this, I want us to start asking ourselves um, asking ourselves questions along the way, like what does it mean if this is true, right? And don't worry if you don't have the questions, that if they don't jump into your mind, kind of out the gate, I will present you with questions that I see and that, that as I'm looking at these things, that, that these are questions that come uh, to my mind. So um, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, But in these last days he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So I want to go ahead and kind of present some questions um, to you as we consider. So this is clearly, this is speaking about Christ here. Um, heir of all things, through whom he created the world. We've kind of touched on that um, in, in weeks past. Uh, so Christ created all things. There's nothing that was created that wasn't created through Christ. Verse 3, he's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And then verse 3 says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. What does that mean? What does it mean that Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power? What, is it, what does it mean for him to hold things in existence? So he's the, he's the complete nature of, yeah. of God, right? But what does it mean that he holds the universe in existence? So, now consider this. Consider this. Why are you here now? Why are you here? Ultimately, because Christ is holding us here. So, yes, follow this text, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. So He created it, and He maintains it. Is anything in creation excluded from this? Is there anything other than God that is uncreated? Can you list for me things that are excluded from this statement? I want us to. So, so you sitting here today, he holds you in existence, right? So, when we speak about you being dependent upon God, like your very existence depends on this power, right? He upholds the universe by the word of his power. In this moment, you are. Because He allows you to be, right? Like He holds you. It is. So, I want us to consider this. If He stopped this, what would take place? If He stopped upholding. Now here, I, 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 would, I would venture to say that because of His nature and His will and His plan that He will not stop 
right? That we can trust that he will continue this work, right? But what, let's, for the sake of, of imagining, what happens if he stops? So he speaks creation into existence, right? And a lot of times the way that we think of this is that we think the moment that he spoke, that thing became, um, self-sustaining, right? Like the universe would just be, if God were to pop out of existence, that the universe would continue, right? Like we think of it as being independent after that first speaking of the cre- of the of the creative work, right? Like that's how we can that's how we think about it a lot of times. But consider this, if he did not continue in that work of upholding the universe, the universe would no longer be. That's what the scripture says, right? He created, but he continues to hold it in existence. Right? And now when I say that so in in any given moment all that exists exists excluding God himself because God holds it in existence at that moment what is excluded from that statement what is excluded is anything excluded when it speaks of He upholds the universe by the word of His power, like we consider us being here, and well, of course God would want to hold us in existence. We're, we're, we're here like doing His work, like doing His will. We're in the building. We're in church. We're, we're here to learn about Him. Of course He would want to hold us in existence. But and, and I hope that you see where I'm pressing with this, right? I hope that you see the difficulties, the questions that you should be asking as I ask this question, because there are things in existence today that you would wish not to be in existence today. Yet they exist only why? So if this Scripture is true, nothing exists today outside of Him holding it in existence. This includes you when you're doing good. This includes you when you're doing evil. This included you when you hated God. This includes all who hate God. Currently. He holds them in existence. Right? So as we consider this, could God stop all evil in a moment? Sure. Would He have to be active in the stopping? Right? Would it take work for Him to stop that evil? It would take removing His work and all evil would cease to exist. Right? Do you get that? That in your moment where you... Think evil of someone. In that moment, when you speak evil, in that moment, when you take an evil action, the only reason that you can take that action, period, is that He does not stop you from existing. Right? And now this brings to to our mind, it should bring to our minds all kinds of questions like, why would He not just do that, right? Why in that moment when that person was shot, say a police officer's out and he's doing his job and he gets shot, gunned down, in that moment, why did God not cease to hold that bullet in existence, right? Why did God not cause that person that was going to take that action to fall out of existence? Why would He hold 
evil? Why would he hold those who do evil in existence? So now I want us to cons- so so ask yourself this question: Was it part of his plan? Like I want us to consider this. I want us to think about this. Was that evil action part of his plan? What are the consequences of that? Of saying yes or no to that? Like what's the consequences of saying that that evil action was part of God's plan? Is God the source of evil? That's where that's where that would be the like the logical conclusions that people would tend to go from is that if God allows that evil to take place, if He holds all those molecules continuing in motion only because in that moment He held it in place, then is He not the reason that that evil took place? Right? Like that would be the logical conclusion that people would come to. Right? Like, so, several years ago, Cordova was struck by um, tornadoes, ripped through. People die. Homes, like, across the United States, this, this system of, of natural disaster moved through. People died, right? God could have, at any moment, if this scripture is true, stop holding those things in motion, right? And yet, what happened? So like you would you would say like the person taking action right like like you would say like well someone shooting someone that was their freedom that was their free will and, and yet but what happens is what what about natural disasters right what about evil that wasn't at the hands of a free creature that that still takes place there was a flood <laughs> wiped out all but a family right. And, and at whose hand? So, so. So as we can sit. Let, we exist only because. He holds us in existence, right? All that exists exists only because He holds us in existence. So I want us to I want us to, to start considering these things. Like I want us to 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 start considering the difficulties of the questions that we're going to be wrestling with, right? Like I, I don't want us to like sidestep these things or or jump around these things. We're going to get like next week. We're going to press into um, kind of the. Uh, the actions of free creatures in God's creation and how He's working in them. Um, we'll probably at some point next week ask the question, what do we mean by free? Like what limitations do we would we put on that? Um, but I want us to continue pressing on to see that, that the universe is, exists currently and will exist by the word of His power. That's Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Let's look at um, Col- let's look at uh, Colossians real quick. So flip to the book. A lot of times we as good church going Christians we think we do anyway. But I think about a lot of the other you know, most of ninety percent of the world it doesn't have like the freedom that we have because of that freedom that we have to worship and know God, we we fall 
fall back on that faith to not even question a lot of things like what you're going to ask us to question and get us to thinking because we say, oh, well, it's faith and we can't know everything God does. Yeah. So many times it's hard for us, especially, you know, to, to even look at God in question. Well, we don't want to do work when we come to church, right? Let's <laughs> well, be real. Sometimes the way I was raised, you know, it's more of a fear of questioning because we, you know, a fear of those of, of disrespecting God because we question those things. So there's a way to question. There's a way to question, and there are ways to question in like sinfully, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. So so um, it is it is good for us to ask questions. It is sinful for us to think that God does not have answers, right? Right. Like so like like that's how I would fa- like like when we question him, we don't question him like our kids question us, right? Uh, you don't know what I mean when I say that. Like 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 when we say why to our parents, like what we're really saying is you got no clue what you're talking about. Right? Like, y'all know what I mean. Y'all have done it, and y'all probably had it done to you, right? Like, where it's like, why? Like, go clean your why? <laughs> because God holds you in existence in this moment. <laughs> it's a good thing the roles haven't been reversed here. No. <laughs> God is a better father than I could ever be, right? He's more patient than me. So let's look at at Colossians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 15. Uh, verses 15 through 17 here. We're going to specifically be looking at, um, at verse 17. Um, so, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. What's excluded in that statement there? Like when it's talking about things created in heaven, earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, like what was not created for Him. And when we say nothing, when we answer nothing there, I want us to, to like, what is the elephant in the room when we say nothing there? Do y'all, who? Yes. Satan, the fallen angels, all evil, all sin, like really, like, like, do we get when what those what like large sweeping statements like this? Do we get the baggage that comes along with them? Like, part of what I want today is for us to get comfortable with the kind of baggage that comes along with that statement, the kind of questions that we that we oftentimes will be like, I'm going to sweep that under the rug. I don't want to have to address that today because that's a difficult thing to wrestle with. Like, I want us to at least like like let's get them on the table so that we can start thinking about them. And we can start addressing them. Verse 17, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. 
Right, So this is another statement like what we were looking at there in Hebrews chapter 1 where it's talking about Him upholding the universe by the word of His power. Here we see that in Him all things hold together. You are here today ultimately because He allows you to exist in every moment. Right? So when we reject Him, when we push away from Him, consider how, how we steal our breath from Him. To rebel against him, right? Like consider like that those times when your when your children like rebel against you, like they like you know, like they look give you that look like you're the dumbest thing they've ever seen in their life. They don't know how you could come to all the bad conclusions that you come to. And think about how it's not you that holds them in existence in that moment. Though there's times where you you, you could think to yourself, like I could take you out, right? <laughs> Ultimately, we are rebels stealing from God every moment before Him, and yet He allows us to exist, right? Like, He holds us in that moment, right? Like, consider the... Like, when we think about that, like, like as believers, we can now reflect on who we were prior to His work in us. Consider the rebellion that everything that you are, you steal from your Creator in rebellion, right? Like, He... Like, how foolish... We are in our rebellion to think that we don't need Him when the very moment that we think that thought, we can only think that thought because He holds everything around us, including us in existence in that moment. How gracious is He, right? Like how, and, and this is why like, I think the, like, the children rebelling against the parent, like, I think that's a good analogy for us to consider here because how oftentimes like, in those moments, like His parents... Or, or like the rebellious child, like how often would you, do you just want to get your hands on someone, right? Like we think about how quickly we go from being the good parent to being like one step away from jail time. <laughs> and, and yet... <laughs> and yet, and yet, our children's rebellion from us, <laughs> our children's rebellion from us, pales in comparison to humanity's rebellion against its creator, right? And yet, his patience, consider his patience, right? When when scripture would say that we're so evil that we invent new ways of sinning, right? Consider his patience that he holds us in existence, allowing us. Those moments, even those moments that we use in rebellion against Him, right? Why would He do this, right? Why would He do this? And ultimately, like the thing that we should be considering, like, and and I'm going to kind of point us here um, in a lot of. So this is what all Scripture seems to point to. What was the most evil action ever? The cross. This is the most evil moment in history. And what do we know about the most evil moment in history? Yeah, but God planned that moment. Right? Like that moment was His will to take place. Right? Now what kind of questions, again, when I make that statement... What kind of questions should you be asking when I make that statement? Is that a true statement? Like, did he plan the most evil day 
in history before He spoke the first moment into existence? Did He? The most evil day. Did he plan it? Right? So, yeah, so like, and we're going to get into this next week. Like, like, when we look at Peter's first sermon in the book of Acts, he planned it. Yeah, because even if you go back to the Old Testament, you know, there's a roadmap that, if we go back and we went through all that scripture, that, I mean, he was planning it back from the beginning. Yes. And this is what, like, as we consider that, like, I want, I want that to, I want you to feel that statement, right? Like, I want you to start asking yourselves questions about what does that mean? That he planned that. that right? That would mean that he also planned for Satan to fail. The fall in general. Mm-hmm. Right? That would seem to be things that would come along with that. Because if there's no fall, there's no need for repentance. There's no need for the cross, right? So it would seem that the fall was planned from the beginning. Right? So what does that mean? If we say, no, Now, every time we make a statement like that, I want us to ask, well, what are the implications of that? If that were to be true, what does that mean? Right? So right now we're kind of in that in that territory where he's holding all things together, but we're pressing we're pressing farther into these things that we're going to be looking at more and more next week, where we're going to talk about like the evil actions of, and I'm air quoting free because I'm gonna I'm gonna like put some asterisks around what it means to be free and how free um, we we are. Y- y'all are comfortable with some amount of freedom not actually being there. Like y'all get that you're not free to float off into space, that you're bound by gravity, that you're free not to swim indefinitely underwater because you're in need of oxygen, right? Like y'all, there's a, there's lots of things that y'all know you're not free to do. You're not free to jump off of buildings that are very tall without parachutes and live when you hit the ground, right? Like you get that physics has some type of hold on you. But there's a sense in which many of us don't understand the depravity of the nature that you were born with, right? In the sense that you are free to act within that nature, but to what extent can you act outside of that nature, right? You do what you desire to do, but what if what you desire to do is continually evil, right? What hope have you then in your freedom? Right, and 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 so we're going to kind of press into that. The gospel has um, a lot of good news for us in that. That's why we one of the reasons that we preach the gospel is because there's hope. You will be you will be more free in Christ than you could ever uh, imagine. Um, so let's let's continue on with this. So Colossians one fifteen through seventeen. Here we see that in Him that is in Christ, uh, all things hold together. Uh, let's look at uh, Acts chapter 17. So flip with me to the book of Acts. Chapter 17. We're going to be looking um, here at verse 28. Here, 
kind of robbing through a poet of the day, speaking truth. Um, Here we read, For in Him we live and move and have our being. So in who do we live? In God. In who do we move? In who do we have our being? Again, so like we've looked at three places here now in the text where we see that Christ upholds um, the universe by the word of His power. We see that in Him all things hold together. We see that in Him we live, we move, and we have our being. Let's look at Job. So now we're going to start. This will probably be where we end for the day. Um, we're going to start kind of moving from um, God. I, I don't think that we that we wrestle too hard with the with ideas about God holding things in existence. That if God if God um, were not to hold things in existence, then nothing would be like His His sustaining preservation in creation. I think that we tend to have an, an okay time. It's big ideas, but I think we have an okay time. Um, like coming to coming to good conclusions there, I think that the difficulty comes in when we start getting into those areas where we ask, to what extent is God free, and what happens when the freedom of the creation that He's made um, starts getting closer to His will and moving in the world? That's where we start getting into the areas where we tend to divide into. Um, into two broad, uh, broad categories. Um, and I want us to ask, kind of as we get into those things, like what are those categories? Why do we tend towards one or the other? So we're going to look at Job chapter 34. We're going to be looking at 14 and 15 of chapter 34. If he should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. Right? So, so God holds the universe in existence and he holds us together, right? In existence. If he were to, scripture says here, if he should set his heart to it, to gather to himself his spirit and his breath, right? If it pleased him to remove his spirit and breath from all mankind or any individual that he's created, what would flesh do? Would it rebel in that moment? Ultimate rebellion, I will exist in and of myself. So, does rebellion have its limits? Does human rebellion have its limits? Does, does rebellion of free creatures have its limits? If God desires His breath from you, you will find its limits. Right? So, are you free to continue in whatever way you desire? Are you free in that regard? 
No, because the moment he says, the moment that his that he sets his heart to a thing, he could take his breath from you. This moment, he could take his breath from all mankind. He could he could squash rebellion in a moment, not by taking positive action, but simply by withdrawing. What he's given already. Right? So does rebellion have its limits? Right? Could all creation rise up against its creator? It could. To the moment that he decides it's enough. And he sets his heart towards withdrawing. And in that, what must creation do? Right? Will it rebel one more moment? No. It would cease to exist. So consider this. Consider this. If this is true, if God could in any moment withdraw and the rebel fall dead to dust, what do we know when we see evil? That He's allowed that. Right? At the very least, we could say that He's allowed that. Right? Because he did not pull his breath in that moment when he was free to. Right? So here's what we're gonna, here's what we're gonna find, I think, a lot as we kind of, and we'll kind of stop, we'll, we'll stop here. A lot of times, like, like, and, and this is why, like, I think one of the major problems that we have with the freedom of the Creator as it approaches, or we feel like it encringes upon, our own freedom is that we think ourselves better than we ought to think ourselves. We think humanity better than we ought to think humanity, right? So, because of that, like we 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 feel ourselves owed more than we probably should feel ourselves owed, more than we actually are owed, right? And 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 it's in that 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 I think we still, even as believers. Um, I, I think we still wrestle with like this desire to be more than we could be, right? Like we want, the flesh wants independence from the Creator, right? Like all rebellion stems from that. We, we want to be in a place that we are not, right? And, and that ultimate freedom, right, that independence from is what the sinful heart desires, yet never could it attain. Right? Like the most rebellious can only rebel so long as he doesn't withdraw his breath and spirit. Right? So like when we get that, like like for us to for us to see that, when we understand that I am completely and solely dependent on him. Right? When we get to that place, like, like as believers, we should reflect on that it is in Him that we live and move and have our being. Right? Like we should, like that should comfort us. Right? That does not comfort anyone who does not love God. Right? And we, I think we probably understand why that would be the case. Is because it almost seems like the ultimate slap in the face for us that would not want anything to do with God, to consider that in any given moment the only reason that we exist is because He holds us in existence. Right? 
So like, if you were that rebel, like there's a lot of places that you could go with this. If you were that rebel, who, um, who's, who the very thought that God is holding you in existence would cause anger in your heart, would there ever be a moment that sin stopped for that rebel? Right? Like, consider that. Consider the hatred of existence, even, when you reflect on that God holds you in it and you want nothing to do with Him. Right? Um, so we're going to end there. Next week we'll start looking at um, various other places in Scripture. We'll kind of get further into this idea of God working even in the actions of free creatures even in good actions and in sinful actions, um, ultimately for His good. And we'll start asking ourselves the question, like we'll start asking ourselves other hard questions about how do we differentiate the two, to what extent is man responsible for his actions, um, and, and, and things like that.